0: Welcome to the Big Ideas for Small Business podcast. Join us as our host and fellow small business owner, Tim Hayden, discusses topics beneficial to businesses of all industries. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Big Ideas for Small Business. I'm your host, Tim Hayden, and I'm really, um, I'm always excited, but I'm excited to have uh, Gordon Blocker with us uh, for part two as we continue to discuss uh, organizational health. Gordon, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I
1: work for a great guy named Patrick Lincioni who founded a firm called Table Group, and uh, about 25 years ago, he had some really simple ideas, and one of them was that people shouldn't be miserable at work. We should experience fulfillment at work. He had a lot of inspiration even growing up with his dad and hearing about stories about his dad at work and some initial experiences in the marketplace and thought, People shouldn't be miserable, they should be fulfilled, and organizations should be healthy and not so dysfunctional. So I get the privilege of just meeting with leaders and teams and working in their organizations week in and week out. Every team and situation is different, but it's all about applying really simple principles. Applying them can be very hard, but it's not complicated. It's just a a lot of hard work uh, to help people experience fulfillment at work and to be uh, not miserable, but effective.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And hey, so you want to tell our listeners, and again, um, you can go back and listen. We, we encourage you, if you didn't listen to part one last month, to listen to it. But hey,
1: Gordon, you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your family? Yeah, absolutely. I am uh, married to Shauna. She and I have been married for about 26 years. We have five kids. Our oldest, Abby, is married to uh, my son-in-law, Lane. They have a grandson. Their, their son is named Case. And I have a son, Zachary, son, Benjamin, daughter, Gracie, and son, Sam. That was in age order. They're from 15 to, I guess, 16 years old. One of my youngest is about to turn 16, so we have almost right. everybody everybody driving. And we uh, reside in Little Rock, Arkansas, originally from Dallas, Texas, and now in Arkansas.
0: Okay, that's great. Well, hey, again, part two uh, about organizational health. And, again, listeners, if you had not listened to part one, please go back and listen. Hey, so, Gordon, organizational health
1: where do you start? Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's why people don't start Tim is that it's really, it can be a bit overwhelming. What Pat does very well when he speaks and writes, um, is that he, he disarms and demystifies the process. And uh, we can do a lot of plotting and planning, but the best place to start is with a conversation with your team. And, and that's not happening. People think, well, I'm in conversations with my team all the time, but we, we're talking about a conversation where you're explicitly addressing the dynamics in the organization. We call it an offsite. Uh, we like it to be about two days. Uh, the reason why it's two days and not one day, because we're, we need some time to get out and decompress. And so getting away from the office, but not for what Pat would call uh, lovingly call boondoggling, right? I mean, there are a lot of corporate retreats and we do things and we don't have anything, any problem with doing things recreationally. It's just, it's not about doing something that's just purely recreational. It's about having the hard conversations that we're not having. And, and that's the best way to do it. And I, I just challenge leaders when I meet with them. Ask, I ask them, when was your last offsite? And a lot of them will scratch their heads saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. Or they'll say, well, three years ago. But then I'll describe it. I say, when was the last time you pulled your team out of the office, got into a room where it was comfortable, you know, allowed you some creative space? And you just talked about how are we really doing, what's our culture like, what's our team like and, and and what direction are we really going in? And it's amazing what happens when you really turn off the noise and have a conversation with your team. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I completely agree, but that is you know for the listeners that are listening, that's so hard, Gordon. I mean think you're going to take two days out of your out of your week. I mean that's so yeah. hard,
1: you know? I know. I know we're going to get the, into this in the third, um, the third uh, episode, Tim, but I mean, I'm just even smiling and laughing about you and your team. Like when, when I said, okay, Tim, <laughs> go ask your team to have an offsite. And, and yeah. a lot of them are going to smile and nod at first. And then about a week before, they're going to go, hey, Tim, yeah. let's postpone that offsite. Let's yeah, move man. it back. Let's, <laughs> right, let's, right, can you uninvite me, right? Because yeah. uh, here's, yeah. here's the reality, Tim. Most people love just doing what they're good at. Don't, don't fault them for that. And most leaders love doing someone else's job because it used to be their job and that's where they get confidence. That's where they feel comfortable and like getting together and talking about these things that are a bit, they're big picture, they're real, but they're hard to measure is, is difficult and it, and it can be uncomfortable because uh, we all know that there are uh, dynamics and relationship dynamics and people just don't want to address them. Uh, You're right. Scary. it, and and I could I mean,
0: uh, you know, for the listeners, uh, what Gordon said was so powerful because, you know, leaders can go back and do want to do other people's jobs because that's what they used to do. There is so much power. We could spend this whole podcast sitting here talking about that. <laughs> but I think right. I think I, I need to I need to back off a little bit and say okay, you know, right. that's great. We don't want to bore bore the listeners, and, and I'm sure that we're not. I know it's not boring me. Um, hey, so, you know, when you go through so organizational health you know you talked about having you know having that off-site which we're going to get into meeting cadence before we get off the podcast today. But um, hey talk about the team assessment, Gordon you know mm-hmm. Ed, when you go through your process talk about the team assessment and what all does it show? Yes,
1: yeah, so it's really interesting. So Pat wrote a book called the five Dysfunctions of a team and gets into the, the, me, the messiness of our dysfunctions on a, a lack of trust or a fear of conflict. But then we have this team assessment that identifies 38 positive behaviors so not the dysfunction, but the positive, how to build trust, how to have healthy conflict. And we simply ask teams to assess themselves uh, in terms of the frequency of those behaviors, almost always, almost never, sometimes, et cetera. We've done it with, I think, close to 70,000 teams at this point. And it's just an unbelievable benchmark because back to the reason why we don't start is because things are a bit uh, qualitative, but then this assessment makes it much more quantitative which allows teams to go, okay, Here's where we are in this behavior. Here's where we're in that behavior. We rank it red, yellow, green. If you're about a three out of five, so that's three and below, that's red. If you're between three and four, that's yellow. And if you're four and above in any behavior or category, that's green. I've I rarely have ever seen a, um, an all green team assessment on the first crack. I've seen a ton of all reds. But honestly, the best, my favorite, Tim, are the ones that are all red. It typically indicates that everyone was super honest, and they're ready to go. And guess what? They've got so much room for improvement. If they're already successful at some level, which most organizations have some level of success, then you think, how successful could we be if we went from red to green? Mm.
0: Yeah, and it's and, and this it's a lot of work to get there.
1: You know, yeah. But it
0: but it but you know you, you see a lot of teams that have success that go from red yeah. to green. Do, do you see mm-hmm. that?
1: Oh, a ton, and and uh, back to the my percentages of which assessments I've seen. So I haven't seen a lot of all green assessments, but I haven't seen a lot of teams that weren't able to get to all green if they really worked at it within a twelve month span. Any okay. team, no matter where they started, within twelve months, if you really set your your mind to it, it's rare that a team won't get to all green in one year.
0: That's great. That's great. Hey, so um, Gordon, you talked a little bit about you know where do you start. You talked about two day offsite.
1: So what is the executive I think Just to go through the, yeah, to go through the, you know, the, maybe the easiest thing is just to go through the agenda. Um, there's all these meetings that we have, you know, check-ins and tacticals and strategic meetings, et cetera. But the, these are the questions that are asked and answered at an off-site that are different than those other meetings. And the first one is around that team assessment. So we would probably do about a half day looking through those team assessment behaviors, and you know Tim and I. Let's say you were on the team together. We would look at each other and say, "What's the trust like between us, or between this team? What are the behaviors that are happening? What's what's frustrating you? What's frustrating me? Uh, where are we missing each other? Where are we confused? What are we going to work on to make this team more cohesive?" That's a that's a conversation that happens for about the first morning or the first half day, and on the one hand it's sort of hard to get started. But once you get those conversations started, it's actually hard to limit it. So mm-hmm. by lunch on day one, you, you, you got to be careful. Otherwise, you might end up talking about the cohesiveness of the team all day, which may be required at sometimes. But, but what you want to do is you want to match that with the second discipline of organizational health, which is creating clarity. So the second thing we have teams do is make sure they're either answering for the first time, Or they're reviewing what we call the six clarity questions, the six core clarity questions. Why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? How will we succeed? What's most important right now? And who does what? Teams that are really, teams and organizations that are very healthy are very, very clear on a few things, which allows a lot of people to go do other things. Organizations that are unhealthy, they typically are are not clear and aligned on the six questions. And alignment is really important. We could be intellectually aligned, but not behaviorally aligned on those six questions. Mm. Um, in which case, we go off and we start doing other things and implementing, and there it just creates silos in the organization. And so, it's important in that that second part of day one to just get clear on those questions. And you know, some of them never change. Your know, your purpose, your values they they don't change. But it it doesn't hurt to review it, to ask hard questions like, are we really implementing this? Are there gaps in our organization? The last two questions, what's most important right now and who does what, that's always changing or always adjusting a bit. You're always calibrating around priorities and roles and responsibilities. And that's what an executive team needs to do. They need to get aligned so that the rest of the organization can be effective. That's just day one. I'll pause there if you have any questions on, on the first day. Well, who should you know? Um, who should be included in this two-day offsite? That's really important, you know. I challenge you on that one for sure. Um, you have to be careful uh, when you're selecting your team, and and often it, it requires a leader to rethink uh, who's on the team. First of all, you know, some people would say, "Well, who who reports to me?" and that's a conventional way to put a team together. But being a team is really about making better and faster decisions for the whole organization. So what I ask a leader to do is say this, for every decision you make, you have option A, which is, I'm just going to do it myself. I may, I may pretend that I'm including other people in that decision, or I may co- collaborate a little bit, but ultimately I'm making the decisions on my own. That's your, that's your option A. Option B is you get some smart people with a level of trust around you to get your blind spots and to make those decisions and those solutions better. And I know this about you, Tim. I mean, for any question I'd ask you about your business, would you have a point of view? Would you have an opinion? Yes. In many cases, would it be a strong opinion? Absolutely. That's because you're a leader. You need people around you to make your ideas better. And that's Mm. what we really want to think is not just who's the vice president of all these departments or or business units, but who's going to be a team that's going to come around and we are going to collectively direct this business. That's what, that's what being an executive team is really all about. Um, on day two, you, what we find is that it's a, lot of the same, it's a lot of the same topics, but new ideas about them. And I think sometimes that day one versus day two, you come back in, you sleep on things, you have a little bit of, of casual time, let's say dinner together as a team, which can be really powerful. And you come back in and you're really thinking through some of those same topics and continuing that clarity debate. What you want to make sure before you walk out, and you know what we find is really important in the afternoon of us of a two-day offsite on the day two is just making sure you have a roadmap. We love these quarterly offsites because they create a rhythm for the business where on a quarterly basis you're checking in, and, and I would say it's like a 90-day insurance policy. You know, Tim, if your team was just going off the rails, I mean things were just going crazy, going sideways but you knew that every quarter you're going to pull your team out of the office. That's the worst case scenario. You can only go 90 days off the rails. If you always have that quarterly check-in to say, what are our priorities? What do we need to say, say, no to when we walk out of this room, what are we going to do? And between 90 day offsites, you're going to have 13 weekly meetings. You're going to have a ton of strategic meetings. All this stuff's going to happen. You're trying to just make sure that the next 90 days are effective. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's good. Hey, you know, so when it comes to, you know, the 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 two-day offsites, what like if the listen, if our listeners are listening say, hey, you know, this is something that piques my interest, what preparations need to be done, you know, for someone that's going to do this for the first time, Gordon?
1: If they've never done it before, I'd recommend they read the advantage and there's a section on offsites in the advantage or read the five dysfunctions of a team, which is a story of a team doing three or four offsites. That would be good. If they've already done it, it's sometimes just good to, you know, freshen up on the clarity. I mean, Tim is funny. I mean, we would say those six questions, they sound so simple. And yet I can't tell you the number of times I've walked into a room after three or four offsites and asked people to even recall their core values and they can't do it or their strategic anchors. So just making sure you're, you're, you're read up as a team member on what are the issues going on in the organization. I think, you know, we know what it's like to show up to a conversation cold where we're, we have not really mentally and emotionally prepared for it. And we know what it's like to show up ready. I would just say to team members, if you're showing up for an offsite and you know, the issues that are going to be discussed, show up mentally and emotionally prepared to have it and do whatever it takes for you to show up. Because I see a lot of team members show up to offsites and they're coming in cold because their, their, their brain and everything has been invested so much into something else in uh, working sort of in the weeds that when they come into the offsite, it takes too long for them to decompress and get into the highest level of the issues in the business. Okay. You know,
0: so, um, uh, to me, and this may not be a good term, Gordon, but we, we've kind of taken the, we started with the end in mind and that, yeah, you know, we started with the two day offsite, you know, share with the listeners, you know, what, uh, meeting cadence, what different type of meetings that you should set up and, um, you
1: know, as you go through this process? Yeah. And I guess you could start with the offsite as let's say day one and two, and then you go forward from there. We'd like to see three other types of meetings from the offsite. First of all, we want to see the team have a weekly meeting. And that's where you are reviewing a, your priorities and roles and responsibilities on a weekly basis and, and executing. We like for the team to have a single priority. We call it a rally or a thematic goal. Other organizations call it something different, but essentially a team needs a scoreboard. What are we actually working on together? And we need to review that on a weekly basis. What's going to come up in those meetings are some what we would just call strategic topics, some, some ad hoc issues that, are, that are really are bigger and they don't belong in those meetings. They almost belong in their own meeting. Let's just say, you know, you and I have talked about inventory, right? Someone, someone says, well, what's, what's the issues with inventory? What do we need to work on? What are the problems or issues? That's more of a topic that needs its own meeting. If we try to shove strategic topics inside the tactical meetings, it ends up being what Pat calls meetings too. So we like to see a weekly tactical meeting where you're going over the scoreboard. And then we'd say either a monthly or, or as needed strategic meetings. Those okay. would be the, the, the second two. And yes. then the last one is the check-ins, which we like to see, you know, we like to see teams checking in with each other if possible, on a daily basis for about 10 minutes in the morning.
0: And, hey, so, um, you know, as as you're saying that, Gordon, we're doing all those meetings. You know, the strategic Uh, meeting we're getting better with, but our weekly tactical. So for the listeners, you know, is that something that, when do you suggest that, that they do the weekly tactical?
1: We like it to be early in the week because we like all these conversations to be forward looking, not reverse. So a lot, of, a lot of teams will meet on Fridays to kind sort of debrief the week, which ends up being just sort of a, a, a post-mortem uh, versus Monday saying, hey, what needs to happen this week? Where are we going? How can we calibrate? What do we need to say no to? Those kind of things. And what we find, Tim, is that teams will resist the daily check in the most and get if they try it and they're willing to do it, they end up getting the most out of it and they end up coming back to us, telling us, telling us it's the one they'll never cancel. Mm-hmm. Um, for the strategic ad hocs, you're pointing out, I think it's the, it's the one that people understand the least, but if they really get it, I think it's the one where leaders would have the most fun because leaders are smart and they like to solve problems mm-hmm. and the ad hoc, the strategic ad hoc meetings are different, but they're the ones where we really sink our teeth into big uh, complicated problems and a lot of leaders they enjoy those more than the tactical meetings which sometimes feel like you're just getting into the weeds mm.
0: so um hey so what should be discussed in each type of meeting and, and gordon we do all these meetings so as you're going yeah. through just like daily tactical i mean i'm sorry daily checking i'm daily checking yeah we, we, we yeah. call it a stand-up meeting we we
1: all we physically stand up during these meetings yeah that's a great idea. But that, that makes them short because we like them to be approximately one minute per person in the meeting. And you're really not discussing anything. You're just sharing information about administrative things, what you're doing that day or week. And then something inevitably comes up where you say, oh, I'm going to be having lunch with so-and-so. Oh, you're having lunch with so-and-so. Okay. So you're not going to be at the other meeting. Yeah, I'm going to miss that meeting. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Great. And it's just quick exchanges. And what we find, Tim, is when teams don't check in with each other, guess what they spend the first 20 minutes doing in their tactical meeting? They end up wasting that time going, oh, yep. you were, Oh, I haven't seen you in a week. What you have been up to? And it's blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, I wanted to get into the execution of the meeting, but we spend time downloading. And we, we like to call it a lightning round where you just go around real quick. <laughs> but teams that don't check in, they can't do a, a round in a lightning. It's, it's a long, long round of horn. I've seen teams do it, I mean, you're going to be shocked at this, but sometimes for more than an hour where individuals would just update each other. And that's the that's the conventional meeting is that we're just kind of reporting on what we're doing, hoping people like it, and then we're ready to get back to work. We, we see meetings as a departure from work versus our most important work. and And we would see executive teams in meetings as actually their most important work, not a departure from it. Yeah. And
0: um, uh, for for us, when we first started doing daily standups, you know, some of them were half an hour, but we were we were informing people what's going on. And, and Gordon, they're probably 10 minutes or less now, for the most part. You know, and then mm-hmm. in our, our weekly tactical, which is um, which is the next meeting in that okay. process, which is once a week, which Gordon, I think is 60 to 90 minutes in length. Right. Yeah. Yep. And you're solving problems. So, hey, you, I, you, so unpack, un,
1: unpack what yeah, the weekly the, tactical the, 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 the meeting fundamentally is about doing things better. You already, you already know what you're doing. You already know what the tasks are. You know, already know what the priorities are. You're walking in saying, what needs to be a little bit better? What is a little bit broken? How can we make that a little faster? But you're not changing priorities. You're not changing objectives. You're just saying, what needs to adjust. It would be, it wouldn't be too different than a football team getting into that huddle and saying, okay, we're going to run the same play we ran in the first quarter, but Gordon, the next time you run that route, you got to remember you got to cut sooner. You got to remember, reach out, you know, you know, get, get up and, and catch the ball at this point, or the quarterback, you got to take one more step back or whatever it is, but you're just executing on what you already know to do, but you're, you're, you're executing better and faster and trying to overcome little obstacles And those meetings and those topics, Tim, they basically per topic, we would say maybe five minutes per topic, real quick conversations. If a topic goes longer than five or 10 minutes, guess what? That's probably a strategic topic. Mm. It's probably a strategic meeting. And we like to call those things out. They don't take preparation. It should be just leaders real-time saying, adjust this, adjust that. And and there's just a real-time execution every week so that we can push our priorities forward. Yeah. And one
0: thing, I, I think it's an appropriate time, uh, Gordon, that one thing that Pat and your team has created is a tool called the Meeting Advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, um, that we use religiously. And what it is, it just makes your weekly tactical meeting really simple to go through. So the six questions you mentioned are answered, yeah. uh, the team behavior is on there, your thematic yeah. goal is on there. But also, yeah. you know, hey, you do a quick lightning round and you go through, okay, here's what people are working on. And then there's potential topics for discussion. But what decisions are made? And those decisions that are made, you document that on there. And everyone on that meeting has a copy, has access to this. And then what, right. what cascading communication do we need to get to the team if we make a big decision on something that everybody needs to know about? So, again, a free plug for the uh, table group, but that yeah. to me it's very very simple. I mean, we we used it this week in our, in our in our meetings that we had.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of the Meeting Advantage or or any tool that just draws the eyes and the attention of a team. What what do most people do, Tim, when they walk into a meeting? They open up their laptop. Yeah, they're looking at their cell phone. Everybody, close your laptop, close your cell phone, and stare at one scoreboard. And the Meeting Advantage is just a huge scoreboard. It's very clean red, yellow, green. We got all the priorities right there, and we just got to keep it simple. There's so much noise, Tim, and that's what distracts us from having effective meetings, which wastes a lot of time, and they yeah. are your most expensive meetings because they're your highest yeah. paid people in the organization. Yeah, you're right. You know, so, um,
0: you know, Gordon, in regards to implementing organizational health, so we talked about where do you start. We talked about team assessments. We talked about, we spent a good bit of time talking about, you know, the two-day offsite, and then we talked mm-hmm. about the daily tactical. So, hey, um, so what does a consultant like you do to help companies through the process?
1: I've asked myself that many, many times. I've got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of leaders I've helped, some better, some worse. And I'm, I'd be interested to see what they said about me. But, you know, Tim, I, I, this is my simplest answer after doing this for many years. There's, there's four things that I think I'll call it a partner rather than a consultant. A partner to a leader can help. One is we help start. I I do think leaders are stuck. And to your point, they're like, I don't know where to start. And I do think getting a partner helps you start what you're resisting to start. Number two, I think we help things go faster. I think you know there's a lot of messy ways to do this that are ineffective and, and disorganized. And there's some ways to do it that are effective. And I think we do help get some momentum. It's not about doing it fast, but it's also about having momentum and moving forward. And I do think we accelerate that process like with the 2-day offsite. I can't tell you how many times if I just left it to a leader they just keep postponing it. And if we say, hey, one we're going to do the offsite and it's going to be in 6 weeks and here's the, all the things we need to do to prepare. We help with that. I do think that we keep things third, we keep things uh, on track. I do think it's very easy for things to stall to get off track, to go south. And I think if we liken ourselves to those guardrails on a highway, I think having a partner keeps things on track. Um, it's important to have some of these hard conversations. It's also important those conversations be healthy and effective, right? If someone's you know, super emotional or gets, gets out, of, out of sorts, um, you know, it, it, we wanna make sure that we're keeping things healthy and productive. And then I'd say last, I think we help leaders finish. Um, you know, one of, one of the reasons that, uh, a client almost didn't hire me is because an executive team member said that the problem with consultants is they always hang around. So I was like, you know what, that's great feedback. It's, it's probably very fair. And I just said, you know, if anything, I want to, I want to be the one to fire myself first. I want to work myself out of a job and consultants, good, good ones should help you realize actual outcomes rather than just work for time. The conventional consultant bills you for time. I would challenge leaders, don't have them bill you for time. Have them bill you for outcomes and put some skin in the game. And if we're not making progress, we're not getting the outcomes that you're actually paying for, then we should fire ourselves or find someone else who can. So, you know, I think we help people start, we help get momentum, we help keep them on track and we help people finish Mm. and realize actual business results because organizational health, if I can just say it as clearly as I can, it should help you be successful. That means also making money and and any other business metric you're using to measure success. Yeah, that's that's,
0: that's, uh, that's awesome. Hey, so Gordon, as we close down part two of
1: uh, organizational health, what's one piece of advice that you give our listeners today? I mean, I I would go back to that offsite and I would just simply ask, uh, when was your last offsite as I was describing it? And if it's been a long time, have another one. If you've never had one, get it going. I I think if you've never had one, just reading the five dysfunctions of a team, honestly, would be probably more if you just need some inspiration. It's a beautiful, amazing story of a team that worked through those barriers and had great offsites or the advantage, which just gives you a more, uh, you know, a, a little bit more of a textbook way to apply it. I would say, have that offsite, have that conversation with your team. You can do it. And then back to your point on partnership, Tim, then you can ask yourself, do you need outside help? Was it, mm-hmm. was it too messy? Was it off the rails? Did you get some effectiveness? Sometimes you don't, not every leader needs the same type of help. But uh, boy, I actually tell this, to Tim, if, if someone says I can't work with you or I'm, we can't work together anymore or we ran out of money or whatever it is, I just say two things, stay humble and have offsites. Because mm-hmm. a group of people that are relatively humble meeting every quarter to talk about these things I think they got a fighting chance. So we love humility and we love teams that have really great conversations and offsites. That's great. Well, Gordon, hey, thank you again for part two
0: and for our listeners. Hey, we'll have Gordon back next month. Hey, thanks for listening. Take care and God bless. If you would like to continue the journey with us, please subscribe and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. If there are any specific topics you would like to hear, be sure to put that in the comments as well. We will be launching a new podcast on the first Wednesday of every month. If you know others that will get benefit from listening to this podcast, please share it with them and we'll be seeing you guys next month.